Hello, welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast. And I think the biggest question today is, Chris, do you have a magical Nunu? No, I don't have a magical Nunu. Why not? I don't need one. You don't need a Nunu. Everyone needs a Nunu. They're cool. No, I don't need a Nunu. Did they have Nunus way back when? I I don't make unnecessary messes. You don't make unnecessary messes? No, all the messes I make are intentional. But if you were to make a mess, someone's got to clean it up and you wouldn't want to be the one to clean it up. So you would need a magical Nunu to clean it up, surely. That's logical, no? No. No? I don't mind getting my hands dirty when I need to. That's the clean-up. That's the boring bit, isn't it? No, making something clean again is good. It's lots of fun. You cook the meal, you eat the meal, and then by the time you eat the meal, you feel like, actually, I just want to go sleep on the sofa. I don't fancy washing up or cleaning up. And that's where the magical Nunu could come in. Oh, okay. So I'd never have to do any washing up again? Well, basically, yeah. I think it does everything, doesn't it? It cleans up. I mean, look at those Teletubbies and how much of a mess they all make. If it can clean up after them, it would be perfectly able to clean up after you. (laughs) I think that's the first compliment you've paid me in weeks, Liam. Yeah, probably is. Don't worry, I'll undo it. You think I'm more confident than the telly me? I'll undo it threefold by the end of the show. <laughs> so what is a Nunu? Can you remember the Nunu from Teletubbies? Well, the Nunu is from Teletubbies, which for, for many of our foreign guests on the listening to us... Um, we probably won't talk familiar. about Chris's pussy, no. A Nunu no. is not a, a, a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a euphemism for... for uh, for any genitalia. Um, although I think, like most things are in kind of children's shows, there is that, <laughs> there is that deliberate double entendre, isn't there, that's there on purpose. Yeah. Um, to entertain the parents. So mm. I can imagine I can imagine lots of parents out there found it very in, in um, Oh yeah, they it used to say things like Nunu has been sucking all day and now he's got a lump in his throat. It's <laughs> stuff like that. Tinky Winky, can you get the lump out of Nunu's throat? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't get that with a Dyson, would you? <laughs> no. Far more efficient. So in this old children's television show called The Teletubbies, um, there was this robot vacuum cleaner that was basically modeled kind of like on a giraffe. So it was this big blue vacuum cleaner that was just on wheels. It just used to go around like on its own. It had a face and everything. And this big red ass that used to flash like a light on its bum. It was red or pink or something like that. I think it might have been pink actually. Um, And then it basically just had this like elephant's trunk with a brush on the end of it. And it just used to go around cleaning everything. So the Teletubbies were very naughty and they'd always make messes and such. And the Nunu would come out and clean everything up, basically. I was thinking whether, you know, you personally, Chris, make magical messes and whether you need something to clean up your magical messes or whether you think there is a benefit to creating or hiring a Nunu to get your magical messes all cleaned up. Because this came up in conversation today when we was doing the mentoring thing you know, the mentor, mental mentoring with someone <laughs> that was talking about um, magical messes and energies getting exuded out and maybe stagnant spells and such. Well, I suggested they employ a magical Nunu, but they took the, they got the wrong end of the stick, I think. <laughs> well, they may, they may have gone, they may have gone for, um, as I just demonstrated, um, you know, that a Nunu does sound like another name um, a parent would give to a, a child's vagina. Um, what other names can you name? There's Cookie. Poon. Cookie? Who calls yeah. it a cookie? Cookie. I've heard that. I've heard it actually be called a cookie before. <laughs> and I've heard a really rather creepy dad refer to himself as the cookie monster. Oh. Yeah. That was it. There's women pull once. That's awful. 
Yeah. No, the the most common. The why do we on... have to go in the? Why do we have to go in different changing rooms? Because you and Mummy have cookies. <laughs> you have a cookie. Mummy has a cookie. I've never seen Mummy's cookie. Can I eat Mummy's cookie? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm the Cookie Monster. <laughs> That's my job. Oh, wow. That's all. It was something along the lines of that. It was years and years and years ago. I were a kid myself. I did not fully understand until I got older. And then I look back and shudder at the things that I used to hear at Speedwell Swimming Bath. They closed it down. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's, it was it was clearly a, uh, you know, um, a home for training paedophiles by the sounds of it. Yeah, well, that's public swimming pools for you, isn't it? Um, no, the one I never quite understood... And I really don't want to understand it, to be honest, is a lot. I, I know a couple of relatives that would, when talking to their young, young people, would call it a tuppence. Oh, yeah, that's a really old one, isn't it? It's a really old one. But I have no idea what where the maybe once upon a time you could get a whore for a tuppence. I don't know. I think they might have been that you used to have to pay a tuppence to go to the lavatory. Oh, okay. Probably because someone would say spend a penny. Yes. And then tuppence. Who knows? I would guess that that's probably where it came from. But either way, we don't need to talk about JJ's. No, you asked me a question. You said another strange word. I know lots of people also call it a foof. A foof. Yeah. Oh, no. This is that's just the hairs on the back of my neck are just stood up then. I don't want to talk about foofs. Can we talk about magical messes, please? Or we okay. could talk about what we were talking about in the last mentoring session, sploshing. Which no, is slightly no. different than from a sploosh. This this show is supposed to be about um, a magical gnosis, not yeah, talking about thirsty. not talking about urban dictionary every every episode. <laughs> okay, all right. So So magical messes. Now, we're not talking about messing up spells, I don't think. I think we're more talking about the build-up of spells energy. Caused to mess. <laughs> what was that? No, we're talking about afterwards. Cleaning up messes afterwards. Yeah. Not, my, not bad When spell. you roll over and light up a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> you throw a towel and say, clean yourself up. Yeah. And what was your name again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all right. I don't care. Get out. Get your clothes and get out. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think I can I can see the purpose for people when they're learning, and they're not quite understanding energy and kind of residual ed energy. I think is the more important one mm -hmm. in this context. Is kind of being aware of that kind of leftover, or even just like the stickiness of energy. <laughs> how it clings to different things <laughs> what you mean like in the bath and it all goes into globules no liam no <laughs> i mean it does though don't it it does you'd have thought it would no. be easier to clean up in the bath it doesn't it just all goes into globules and just sticks <laughs> to everything <laughs> you're best off doing it dry <laughs> this, this is not this is not Oh, he's got his hands. See, this is why I wanted. This is why I wanted to avoid. I mean, it's a type of a manifestation. It's certainly magical. Water magic, up. Chris. Water magic, isn't it? I give up. Um. So no. So the the point I was trying to make was about people don't think like i think i'd use the um analogy of smokers earlier today oh. where you talk about like how if you're smoking all the time and you're you know an avid smoker you don't smell the kind of um the stale smoke smell smell that is covering your clothes your your skin that sort of thing it was exactly the reason i never got into smoking was because as soon as I smoked a cigarette, 
on the few occasions that I had. All I could smell was the smell of smoke on my on my hands. Yeah. And it was one of those smells that even after you'd washed your hands like multiple times, you could still kind of smell it. Mm. Um, and I don't think when people start out that necessarily anyone explains in that way. Like they mm. talk about going into a place and feeling its vibes and bollocks like that, but they don't actually talk about how the kind of residual energy that's left by spell work or people's presence, it you know, presence in a space or those sorts of things um, and give any kind of real, you know, we talk about physical cleanup after spells, don't we? Of like mm. disposal methods. Yeah. But no one really talks about kind of cleansing spaces, um, except in that kind of really annoying salt circle kind of way the Wiccans love. But elemental cleansings mm. Mm. so it's the build-up of psychic energy the build-up of energy generally that is kind of putrefying or kind of just stagnating in that but there's it's got nowhere to go so kind of like the old magical um extractor fan if you didn't have an extractor fan in your shower, for example, it would all go steamy and then it would all go mouldy and all that kind of stuff. It would all be quite gross. So that actually can happen on an energetic level. Lots and lots of spellcraft and magic and such like that. If you do the same sort of magic all the time in one location with the same things and that, it will often retain that energy in the space. Some people want that, but other types of energy and certainly i found with the whole consultation room and all that kind of thing with all the varied spell casting that happens all the time there is a certain level of cleansing that's required now people often try to retain that energy and keep it on those kind of altars like you hear a lot about witches or beginner witches starting witchcraft altars and stuff like that which is basically just a table that you do your work on although it generally devolves into a bunch of idols and some stick incense and some candles and that and not a lot of actual magic being done but i mean it is literally like the equivalent really of a kitchen countertop like you clean your kitchen countertop don't you you put yeah. everything away you don't just leave everything to go and congeal and that should be the case with in terms of magical hygiene and such as well. And what we're talking about with the magical new nil, the robotic vacuum cleaner, is that is do you have a automated process? Because a lot of people won't have an automated process and won't think about there being an automated process. People think about general cleansings and stuff that we often encourage people to work into their everyday routines for themselves. But magical Magical workings and working areas, temples based and such, a little bit different. You want some sort of, I would say, uh, you don't really, you either want to be really, really, really well trained or you need to employ a cleaner. And some people that are unclean, yeah. they employ a cleaner if they can afford one, don't they? It's not like yeah. you have to do all this work yourself. You could get something else to do it. And in fact, some people often find that certain energies and spirits and such gravitate towards them because of the stink that they leave. <laughs> so like when I used to have my fish tank, I was very careful with what I put in it. I put some fishes in it that would clean the gravel. I put some fishes in it that would clean the glass. And it was fairly low maintenance. Yeah. So I was selective. What about that potentially bringing in some uh, bottom some sucker, some sucker fish, some <laughs> magical corridors. <laughs> yeah magical sucker fishes and that <laughs> i do like i do like the concept of a, a magical sucker fish for cleaning your tank home mm. um, or you get those snails don't you that often turn into infestations yeah snail infestations have you ever gone into a, a magical person's house or a working environment or anything like that and been overwhelmed by the stink and thought this really isn't clean energetically the most common ones are when i go into small churches 
They generally oh. give me they generally give me headaches. But that's because you don't like that that energy, isn't it? No, often it's the intense it's the intensification of an energy that doesn't really get used. Mm. So it's again it's that kind of stag stagnant energy that starts to build up um in some of those places. Um, but yes, I've gone in. I've gone into a lot of practitioner spaces, particularly those that do a lot of energy work, mm. um, energy healing spaces. What because people like, that work from home, like yeah, these people that work from home. people, crystal dildo waving therapists that work from home yeah. from the spare room. Well, not even necessarily though. Sometimes just going into a a physio's office, like if ah. they've got a home office. Mm. Um, where they're doing energy work and don't really aren't really aware that they're doing energy work, mm. um, are then surprised when they you know start to have bad luck or attract uh, attract dodgy clients that don't pay or mm. um, do you know what I mean? Where they kind of starts to have a knock on effect to their practice. Mm. Um, the other ones is obviously a lot of psychics who kind of attract that saturnine energy and a lot of dead people that mm. they just take for granted is just part of their work yeah um and they don't think about the energy impacts that that has mm. on on them um but a lot of these are kind of like you know um people tend to think of house cleanses and, and house um cleaning clearing whatever you want to call them as processes for dealing with ghosties um but generally speaking, I think it's a lot of them awesome. is dealing with the energy of the actual practitioner. Yeah. Um, where they've attracted it in the first place and you're kind of like, well, something about this house <laughs> attracted um, the ghosties in the first place. Um, and it's not always because they died there or something mm. like that. It will be that a particular kind of energy, uh, normally psychic remnants, is kind of left over and they kind of go, oh, there's something going on over there. I went to a house once and the complaint was that they were experiencing almost like poltergeist activity. And there was one person that ended up getting possessed in that, but it wasn't like a proper spirit that come through. It was just going in some sort of state um, and all sorts of weird manifestations and stuff. You went in and it was like, it was like, you know, like you go in places and it's really dusty, yeah. it gets in your throat. It was kind of like that from a magical perspective. And it wasn't that uh, there was anything innately wrong with the house or any negative spirit or anything like that there. It's just that there was quite a lot of family members there. They had a bunch of kids, mum and dad, and the whole family was quite psychic and yeah. was of that type or of that ilk that exudes or sweats out a lot of quite heated energy so a lot of martial type of energy so what would happen was that they all of these people under one house all fairly sensitive as well and then literally an energy outpour from all of them like five or six of them under one roof it just kind of the overflow didn't keep up like naturally like yeah. running the bath and the overflow so supposed to kick in but if the if the taps running too quickly it doesn't yeah. really work it doesn't stop it and that was kind of what was happening there because every house and environment and stuff has a natural flow unless it's completely sealed off which is why we're always very careful with regards to how we teach um uh, protection warding magic and, warding yeah various other things like that and gridding systems and such because it needs to be a you know maybe you're keeping stuff out but are you actually keeping everything out or are you filtering certain things is it allowed to move through what is going on exactly people don't think about that you can create a bottleneck as well potentially where there is a certain amount of free flow but then things like get trapped and that's where your magical nunu comes in isn't it <laughs> because your magical nunu if you were to create something like that or get a spirit or something like that is not like a spell or something like that because you think about spell work and stuff that you might need to change so maybe that someone who likes candles creates candles which sucks in energy because it sucks in the 
you know, air in the room, essentially. So there is a certain amount of airflow being generated by a candle and such. Um, or changing flowers so that they absorb in stuff and then they might change their flowers every week or something like that. Chuck the old ones out. Anything like that. You could potentially use all those sorts of things. But obviously that is something that you need to maintain. Whereas the whole magical new, new spirit side of things, the good thing is that it potentially, if it's set up and it understands, it has autonomy to be able to clean up when it feels it needs to clean up to feed on something that it needs to feed on and then leave other things alone. I mean, you can talk to our friend Lady Poison about what it's like to have a really shit cleaner. Because a good <laughs> cleaner is one of those people that you should never even notice because yeah. they do their job so well you only tend to notice when maintenance staff and cleaners don't do their jobs because that's when you think why is that light not working now i've been working for fucking ages or why is the toilet blocked or what's going on here you know you think you only notice that sort of thing when there's something wrong yeah otherwise you wouldn't notice it if they were doing their job properly and that's where a magical nunu can blend into the background and potentially work as a to a certain extent a type of uh, protection as well potentially which I don't think that happened in the Teletubbies because Teletubbies often weren't under attack. <laughs> I mean, Not they did very often have fully grown men in them. But <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, they did. I mean, it was people dressed up in a suit, weren't they? Wow. Like Barney. Wow. Well, the amount of men that have been in Barney. Barney wow. was a purple dinosaur, by the way. Yeah. It just not it just not gonna let let us I know I know a lot happened with the BBC that's been uncovered recently, but I don't yeah. think I don't think we need to make it to make it a regular addition to the show, okay Liam? Um, well we'll just make it this one episode then. <laughs> or we're gonna make this we need to rename this the Gary Glitter show. Oh, I was gonna call it Aetis. Oh wow. That was the 80s, wasn't it? It was all the 80s. It was all these TV presenters that did children's TV shows in the 80s, and they, they were all like pedos and shit. Wow. Apparently, at least wearing... the magical Nuno was a genuine robot. It didn't have like a man or someone in it. At least I presume it didn't. There was someone inside the original R2D2, weren't there? Yes. Yeah, there was yeah. a little man inside that. Um. Yeah. I've completely lost my thread now. You talking about paedophiles. Um, well, you kind of brought that up. So, so yeah, I kind of, I think the important part of what you were saying was, was about the fact that this has to have a certain amount of autonomy. Mm. It's, it's going to need to, so not so much as it needs to have a, necessarily a, um, personality mm. or you know you're not gonna have to build a soul for this mm. but we are talking about it being an automated process mm. so that when leftover energy is there is you know i suppose the best version of this would be because you're not wanting it to just necessarily just store it are you you're wanting it you either need it needs to be a catch and and release program where it keeps it and then you choose what you want to do the to do with the energy um in which case you're going to want it to kind of neutralize it as it's catching it mm. or you're wanting it to power something else automated so whether or not you made it kind of because you can have those kitchens now can't you where the dishwasher talks to the um the washing machine and and all that kind of stuff things. yeah um, which is a terrifying thought in my brain, but um, because surely someone's still got to empty the dishwasher, regardless of whether or not it's talking to the, to the microwave. Um, no, but like the fridge and stuff like that has cameras in, and it will actually, like, if you link it to your Amazon account and stuff, it can reorder things for you. Okay. There was one toaster, right? It was an actual toaster you could buy, and it would basically print, onto your toast in the morning the weather forecast for the day wow we'd like do a rain cloud or we do like sun and all that sort of stuff and i'm like seriously what is the point of that what is the point <laughs> of that particularly if you're just gonna end up putting like jam or something on it 
Well, surely, rather than waiting two minutes for it to cook, you could just look out the window, couldn't you? Well, I mean, there's the weather forecast for later. It depends how many flights <laughs> you're going to have, I guess, on it. Like, you know. Um, also, I don't trust the weather forecast enough in order to actually waste time having it printed on my toast. Uh, well, I don't really have toast, so, you know. The thing is, I can't, and I, I bet this will be completely wasted on you because I bet you never watched it. Um, but I grew up watching Red Dwarf, um, mm. which was a, a sci-fi comedy. Um, and they had a talking toaster in that, uh, in one of the episodes. Um, and it was talking uh, where they upgraded its IQ um, so, that, so that it could do something weird. I can't remember what. Um, but it was a, um, I don't want to be a toaster anymore. Mm. Um, stop talking. It goes, all you want to talk about is toast. Mm. And it's like, well, I am a toaster. You know, I toast, therefore I am. Um, it was, oh, it was, it was brilliant. Anyway, um, yeah, the the idea of having um, household implements with AI in them is not something that particularly interests me at all. So, but I could see the point as to why you would want this particular spell to be at least kind of self-initiating mm. even if you have to go out and empty it like mm. you would the hoover i guess once it's full i don't actually have a magical nuno and i don't have like an automated process what i tend to have is i tend to have because a lot of spell stuff and that will have a beginning middle and end or i'll just work purely energetically so in the physical realm, I don't really have anything like that. The closest thing I think to a general like disposal and getting rid of energies is I actually have a cauldron that always sits on my desk. And I always put things in it that are bits from spell casting and that kind of thing. And that and I chuck that in there and it ends up getting burnt when it gets to the top. Realistically, it just ends up I put a fist in it and smash it down and then put another layer on it. And then when I can't fit any more in, then I end up taking it out and burning it. Mm -hmm. But that's nice. And it's always interesting to see the various things like go up in smoke that you've worked on in the past month or so. Well, obviously, I've always I wouldn't consider it to be a magical new new. Um, no. But obviously, I've talked about my candles before. How I st have strategically placed candles all over the house. The red ones. Yeah, so they just they just catch spare energy from and kind of leftover energy from people who visit and that mm. sort of thing. So that there is always those that I never have to charge my candles because they're charging all the time. Mm. Um, that's just an automated thing that I kind of have set up based on habit. Um, mm. Which well, is you the other the way. As well. Oh yeah, of course. Is that do they do take care of anything like that, or is that mainly just like protection that they tend to get involved with? They bring um, you offerings and such, don't they? So I wondered if they did they sensitivity to certain energies, whether they just chase it away or what. Um, there's a certain amount of warding they're involved in. But the main thing they're designed for is is the same way in which temple cats are. They're mm. designed they're designed for being vessels when necessary. Mm. So it allows me to have an, an ongoing conversation with an entity. Um, mm. Obviously pre-approved ones, of course. Mm. Um, but that's kind of the process they're for. I suppose naturally they probably do take care of certain you know, just by the concept of a cat and like mm. you say, um, killing vermin, that sort of thing, are designed deliberately for keeping out disease. So you could augment a animal or a pet potentially for that because there's talk about familiars and such like that with familiars, people referring to their pets as familiars and stuff, which is not really the case because they're not shape-shifting um, <laughs> spirits. They're actually corporeal animals, aren't they? So they're not really familiars. But you could potentially use a animal or a pet or something like that 
to aid in that sort of thing as long as it hasn't you know you're not considered tampering with your pussy oh you i knew you would go there um you're a psychic (laughs) no also from the basis that she's trying desperately to get on the table but there is no room for it to be on my desk oh because i was in the process of processing all that eucalyptus have you decided what you're doing with all your eucalyptus yet there's a few different things planned so are you literally just drying it out and drying it up or are you going to oil it or anything i'm going to try and do all of the above i think but that's ah. because it's now a steady supply so you've got enough is... of it so i'm hoping every time a batch comes every couple of months mm-hmm. i'll probably be able to do the thing that isn't done if that makes mm. sense but um yeah i'm probably gonna use some of it for tea um and my new program of uh cleansings mm. So not for me personally, but potentially for the shop. Um, So yeah, teas and stuff. And then my hope is that I might be able to sweet talk a friend of mine to process some of it for um, essential oils with her commercial distill. Mm. Have you used eucalyptus, uh, eucalyptus a lot before, magically speaking, or not really? No, I'm fairly new to it. Um, mm. I've used some of it because it's not indigenous and you know what I'm like I'm a bit of a stickler for using things that I can actually get hold of mm. um, and not have to wait for something to be delivered um, which is why I'm always talking about going for a walk Yeah, um, I like things to be kind of available to me if I was so to need them mm. um, and as we don't really have the climate or at least you know um i didn't think we did for without their help of greenhouses to grow yeah. eucalyptus really i didn't think it would naturalize here um so i'm kind of blown away that this um, these friends of mine are able to grow them in their garden mm-hmm. um they do have they do wrap them at christmas and stuff when the frosts come right. like they are wrapped um until the about now um when they kind of unwrap them in the new year um so yeah so i've but they're huge like i I just can't get over like i've got some eucalyptus growing in the garden i've been working with it for the last couple of years Mm. um but it's not taken in the way that theirs has and like i said i i assume part of it is because you know he's a kiwi so what's um, a kiwi he's from new zealand yeah i I was just saying that because People might actually think that he's a kiwi. <laughs> no, he's, he's not a little bird. He's not a little bird. Um, um, so yeah, so he's he's a kiwi. So um, he, for whatever reason, him and his partner, who's a friend of mine, um, they've grown these from little plugs. They were like little plugs from a like a, mm. a selection ordered from a grower. They planted them straight in the garden no like potting time or whatever and they're easily they're easily about 10 foot high Mm. like big thick thick trunks obviously they've got no um koalas in them so you know there's no uh chlamydia risk but the no chlamydia risk um but it's been it's quite interesting um to see how well they've done and i'm there's a part of me that wonders if that has anything to do with the fact that he's a Kiwi um, mm. and whether or not they've taken any a particular interest in him. Um, but they grow a lot of tropical flowers and plants and things in their garden. Like mm. they're quite prolific in, in their, in their kind of work and they work hard to keep them, to make them last through the winter by like wrapping them and things. Um, and some of them like they come in over Christmas and live in the garage mm. Um, but obviously the eucalyptus doesn't um mm. and they've got these go- like seven or eight of them all the way kind of guardians around the edge of the the garden 
um which is quite interesting so i'm i'm quite intrigued to work with this particular batch to see what i can get it to do maybe it'll trust me better and the one that i have got um will start to grow better perhaps well it's eucalyptus is often used for um like herbal teas and stuff like that that have more of like a cold flu general kind of effect don't they immune boosting thing but in a very light form because they're not really harsh but they're there you know very good as decongestants and mm. like i've i've hung um eucalyptus in the bathroom before to kind of just purify the air like it's very good mm. at that kind of purification processing um so whether or not it would work um because i was thinking one of the things i'd like to do i don't know if when you were last up here i'd still got my wreath from christmas mm. in the porch um and the reason i left it up is one so i could dry all the things that were in it yeah um, to make a an incense um but I'm thinking I might take it down and put a load of this eucalyptus in it and then start to add flowers and things for the next kind of seasonal round. Mm. Um, because the thought was, I wondered whether or not, because it was such a nice wreath that was just kind of bringing in some of that life from outside inside. Um, but I quite, I quite like the concept of that, particularly around the kind of Christmas point. Yeah. Um, it's one of those traditions I do really quite like. Um, so I was wondering whether or not I could make that change throughout the year um, and kind of keeping the the kind of willow base um, mm. that my colleagues made for me at Christmas and have that kind of eternal cycle kind of going on. Um, I haven't assigned any kind of protection or warding or anything to it um i just like how it looks to be fair mm. um so oh i'm sure my gosh, it... i'm trying to sound like one of them insta witches no but in that kind of like um i like the concept of bringing the outdoors indoors and kind of mm. having that slightly more um you know permeable outdoors um, indoors boundary. in a controlled way hmm well, I mean, people are big into re reusing and recycling and stuff now, but you don't tend to see a lot of that in, in spellcraft and magic and stuff. And yet, that's kind of very traditional, isn't it? But it yeah. would be traditional in the form of things would be reused for another purpose, which you see a lot in old-fashioned cooking, where they've used, like, literally everything and then make a stew or something with the leftovers, you know, or bone broth or something. Um but you don't necessarily see like all of the remnants of spell casting and ritual bits and pieces left over to be used with things. You know, we were big on that with the dumb suckers and that, because all the set table settings and all that got ground up and added to incenses and stuff. You were talking about using stuff left over for Christmas. The problem is, is I don't think people have the creativity to be able to think of that themselves without yeah. being told in a book, Oh, this is the tradition. You make your wreath, and then what you do is you wait and you dry it out, and then you powder it, and then you do this, and then you use it next year as an incense. It's like you don't have to do that. Just think about actually being creative for once in your life, and don't actually try to look at traditions and such like that and do them because you think that's what witches do. Like there'll probably be actual people that are now thinking. I think I'm going to get a wreath next year and I think I'm going to do that just because someone else is doing it and it must be yeah. like some sort of witchy thing, you know? If you were to write that in a Llewellyn book, you'd have <clears> bloody <throat> tens of thousands of people probably not doing it, but contemplating doing it. Heaven forbid <laughs> if they got off their asses to actually do something. Like so, all these people that make fucking wood, moon water and then do nothing with it. Yes. Yeah. Well, this this is the thing. This always blows my mind. I wasn't going to go there. I was going to actually make a comment um, about the fact that, like with your cunning uh, kind of cunning man's uh, spell casting course that's mm. on the web uh, on the YouTube, YouTube, you talk about the process of how to do something, um, and one of them you always reference is the the kind of disappear a wart spell, yeah. and actually, and actually. 
so many people go, well, I don't have a wart. And I'm mm. like, but you're missing the point. It's a process. <laughs> you know, disappear. I'm sure you've got something you want to disappear. Um, you know, like your mother-in-law or, you know, um, that guy you're shagging's wife. You know, like there's lots of lots of people you might want to get rid of or things or bad habits. Lots of, you know, the whole point of these would have been things like that. It's how someone would have given up a bad habit, you know, to stop drinking or, mm. you know, these are all kind of designed there to, whereas actually what they want you to do is for you to make that, that video 10 times with a different intention each time. Mm. Because they don't actually know how to, even though we teach it repeatedly, um, actually how to convert it. I don't. I don't get it. Like you say, I think it comes down to lack of creativity. Um, but then to go back to Moonwater, that's the other one. So what they seem to forget, and maybe it's because no one writes it in the books, is Moonwater, like a lot of other charged liquids were always designed to be used on something so if you were to make mm. moon water you would then go and water your lunar based plants mm. um with that water in order to kind of encourage that symbiotic relationship between the moon and the plant um mm. to encourage it or you would use it in a a concoction you were making or something like that that was designed to be that you know that that lunar element was was missing or needed to encourage um you talk about team leaders a lot don't you when you kind of go mm. um who's going to be the captain of the team of your ingredients um and often and often kind of like well actually moon water could have the potential in that process to be the to be the captain of a series of other ingredients that were lunar based mm. because the liquid would permeate permeate through all of those other items if they mm. were the um if they were the solvent at which the rest of these items were in mm. um but no people just aren't creative which in some ways makes no sense liam because so much effort has gone into making spells look pretty now. Yeah. In the life of the the um, the Insta Witch, but they don't necessarily get as creative with the process. But is that because of words such as sympathetic magic and representational magic, where they think the only part of it is just purely words? All about intention, isn't it? It's all about, I like the look of it, that's how I want to do it, so I'm going to do it, as opposed to actually in working with the ingredients themselves in any way, shape or form. Yeah. But no, I mean, there's a lot of people that talk about and squabble over how moon water is even made. Like, there'll be some idiots that put a jar of water out and just leave it outside in the garden for moon water, and then they'll pick it the next day, and I'm kind of thinking, well, there has been, you've left the jar of water out from the tap or something for one night. Um, there's literally like puddles in the potholes in the road that have been marinating out there for fucking weeks, yeah. you know, or like the lake or the pond or something like that. It's like literally there's like so much water that's seen the entire moon phases and you're thinking you're going to go and get that. Other people would say like, oh, well, you need to put the moon water out there, but the moon needs to be reflected in the water, i.e. you need to use a mirror to reflect the moon's light, or the light that gets reflected from the sun to the moon and then down to earth into a mirror and then into the thing, which I've also thought that I don't really get that. It makes no, no sense to me. What made the most sense to me, which is the only sort of moon water that I'd probably end up thinking of doing it, and it would be primarily about the journey, is to go and find a large expanse of water because the moon quite big and the expanse of water quite big and to get to the moon's reflection which means you might need to wade into that water 
to actually draw some of the water that the moon is being reflected into, i.e. you walk to the pond, look up, there's the moon, look down at the pond, and the pond's reflecting the moon. And then where the moon is in the pond, you get some water out of it. Mm. There's a whole journey in that where you're actually wading into the unknown, into the magic or water, the in-between, that liminal space that is mm. you're kind of walking on land, but at the same time you're in some kind of etheric watery, and we all know the element of water, how great a portal it makes. And how great it is it's seeping through portals. <laughs> <laughs> Open. Yeah. <laughs> but there we go. Thing, I think that's what's always confused me with it, because my understanding of moon water has always been at the point it was collected. Mm, um, yeah. Not not leaving water out charging oh. in an energy foot. Like, like that confused me. <laughs> So, Trying your own overnight oats in the windowsill. Yeah, you know, I just for your morning breakfast because the moon's really good in the morning, isn't it? Like, do you know? Um, but then I've always struggled with the idea of collecting anything moon-related. Um, in the sense, in the sense that surely, if you wanted an energy source, you're going to go with the solar one. Um, rather than the reflected solar um yeah i mean it comes to what you're trying to attach and because things like um when you're trying to do spells and you're wanting to retain energies but then mix them later so like when you get chemicals and stuff or like when you and you have to mix two together or you need to go and you get one of those you know those um pre-made curries where you've got the jar and then it's got the powder on the top and it comes separate but then you know you're supposed to combine it it's yeah. because if you were doing a working that was going to take place or a ritual that was going to take place over several days or something then you want a solar component you want a lunar component you want all these different components but you might only want to do that ritual in one go you might not want to do a little bit in the daytime do a little bit in the nighttime all that kind of thing so you could bring that that lunar lock energy, tie it to your spell, do it during the day, but just do the lunar water, you know, or anything like that. I mean, it depends on how you want to work, but by all, you know, you can work how you want to work, but there are some things that need, need, need to be addressed. The first of those things that by all means do what you want to do, but it needs to work is the first thing not work sometimes not potentially work it needs to actually work actually be reliable right and the second thing is is probably a good idea if you know why you're doing what you're doing and not just doing it i mean there is a certain something to be said for experimentation for experimenting with things and you don't know the outcome but i would say you should at least be able to comprehend in some way shape or form why you're doing that thing even if you've done a ritual, you're doing a ritual from a book or something like that, or seen it from somewhere from a culture or something, you should be thinking about what your personal thoughts are. You know, we don't expect complete beginners to understand how magic works, but we always ask them, like, how do you think it works? How do you think a charm bag would work? I don't know. Well, just think, you must have seen like films and stuff like that. You have some sort of working idea of how you think magic might work. Well, I think it's all about this ingredient, or I think it's all about that the symbology is here, or I think it's all about such and such, you know? They already have some idea in their mind over how they think something could work, but they're normally unwilling to share it, either with themselves or even contemplate how something works. It just boggles my mind. I don't really get it. Because you can't rework afterwards how you what where are you learning you know if you're thinking i think this works in this way i'm gonna do it did it work the way i think it should have worked did it work at all and then you can go back to the old drawing board you've got something that you've started with a hypothesis that you're then trying to prove or something but there we go we only got 10 minutes left we don't <laughs> want it to evolve into being nasty about neo-pagans and such no, but I think um, I think what's important is that we go back, or you know, 
going back to what we were saying, what we were talking about earlier, is that it's getting to that other side of the spell um, and that kind of disposal aspect where mm. lots of people think about the process of getting rid of ingredients. Mm. They don't necessarily, even when they are practitioners who do a lot of things um, in the astral and, you know, they're bringing certain energies in, building that block, you know, building that process, making those things happen. Um, where are they expecting that energy to go that's left over mm. if they pulled in more energy than they needed? Um, you know, have they thought about the concept of is all all of that going in um, and you didn't miss any? Because I, I don't know about you, but the amount of times you've done some mixing in a mm. bowl um, and then you've poured all the, the contents out. There's still residue usually yeah. in the bowl, even yeah. if you use those really cool um, silicone spatulas who's, who yeah. like get almost everything. But there's still residue in the bowl. Otherwise, mm. you wouldn't need to wash it up afterwards, would you? That, and if you can still smell it in the bowl, then there's something still in the bowl. You know? Mm. So, and I, I think people don't necessarily think with all their senses. Mm. They're kind of like, that looks clean. Therefore, it must be. Um, whereas, you like you say, if you can still smell it. Um, yeah, I mean, that is interesting, actually, because there's something to be said for that. Because when you look at really ancient cultures, there's a lot of repetition. So it might be a sacred stone or a sacred place that the same ritual of rite of passage or things like that would be done. So that would retain a certain energy. But when we get into more modern times, when we're experimenting and venturing into places and think, trying things that we've never tried before, it was, how far do you need to go with cleansing and clearing and cleaning and stuff like that? Because if you go back to like the Victorian era and that, they weren't the most hygienic, were they? You know, you literally, you'd go along the streets in the baker and they might have like creepy crawlers and that crawling in with all the bread and all that sort of thing did they really do the hygiene thing did they have a dozen different chopping boards for chopping things up you know cross-contamination and such i mean did that mean that that sort of stuff wouldn't have happened would there be a price to pay potentially because hygiene is like an actual thing even though back then they probably had slightly better immune systems than we do now but there would have been some issue i mean with the fucking plague for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> But magical is about the energy there. The more subtle the energies you're working with, the more clean essentially this space needs to be. If you're working with strong energies and there's a remnant there, it's going to get carried up or carried away with it. It's literally like if you've got a candle in the ring, the candle is probably going to get snuffed out quite easily. If you've got one drop of poison and you drop it in the ocean, the chances are, well, actually, it's not going to make a huge amount of damage, you know, or you're not going to really be able to, it's just going to, you know, dissipate. But that's how essentially energy works. And if you don't understand that, fucking understand it, because that should teach you a little bit about when you're cooking, if you put too much of one tiny little bit of spice in if it's extremely hot that's all you're going to be able to taste that's the same magically speaking it can literally overpower your spell if you're mixing a bunch of energies together you may find that one energy dominates all of the others and the others are just washed away that doesn't get talked about though why ain't nobody talking about that chris well because they generally um, not to blame the Wiccans, but kind of in that point of point that correspondence practice mm. is that all of these energies should be present. Right. So, so there used to be told one egg or two eggs. And you two know, grams of butter or something. Yeah. Or, or they're going on the basis that it's a pinch of everything, uh, in which case they're not thinking about the composition they're not thinking any oh i might need three pinches of that and and only one of this um they learn that if i'm doing a particular kind of spell i use these ingredients mm. 
Um, but, you know, anybody that's, um, you know, experimented even with basic food in the kitchen of kind of going, OK, well, I'm making I'm making this soup um, or I'm making this bolognese sauce. You will know how much you can your palate will allow. Mm. And, you know, if you've got somebody over that's a little bit more sensitive to spice, for example, like mm. you think about, oh, actually, maybe I'll use less this time. Mm. But each time it's still a bolognese sauce because all the ingredients are there. Um, mm. You know, some people might say, oh, no, couldn't possibly use spice in a bolognese sauce. That's completely inappropriate. Um, you know, but I'm one of those people that like a I like heat and I like I like spice. So I, I will put spice in all manner of things. Mm. Um, but that's just to meet the needs of my palate. So, you know, ultimately what the goal is to make food that somebody likes mm. um, so that they will complete completely empty the plate. Like, you know, that is the goal. So in order to make that happen, you're going to adjust that in order to meet the need of that individual. And, and that's no different to that particular spell is going to those particular people mm. you are going to adjust it accordingly whether or not that's an attraction piece of magic or a or a, or a banishment kind of you've got to go well actually that's a particularly um strong and i don't mean um kind of in strength kind of Mm. bossy um ghosty you're going actually that's really well attached to the space it's in we're probably mm. going to need to use more um but it's it's knowing the properties of each of those ingredients um and then knowing where their limitations are or how well they work as a team you know, mm. if you're going to use something that's like you say is going to completely overpower the whole thing, what's the point of using the other ingredients? Um, if that overpowerment is worthwhile, then just put that in. What do mm. you need all these other other things for if they're not actually going to do anything? But yeah. I mean, with regards to spirits and such like that, people just don't understand basic how spirits work and such like that, particularly when it comes to banishings and exorcisms and that sort of thing. Because people tend to think, and it is true, that the spirit's smart, therefore it avoids or buggers off and then come back. And actually, that's not necessarily the point. You think about cutting ties and you know, cutting the anchor and all that, dropping the anchor and all that kind of thing of the spirit so it isn't attached to the place, house, person, whatever anymore. To a certain extent, there's a level of depth. So when you think about, okay, you're in a smoker's house, the smokers decided they're not going to smoke anymore, they're promising to quit, that the whole house is nicotine stained. You can spray your air freshener, which is exactly what you're doing, overpowering in energy, and you can smell it and it's gone, right? The smoke's gone. But then that energy that is that fragrance dissipates and all of that nicotine stained curtains, all of the walls, all of that sort of thing is still there. It's just seeping out. So how deep are you permeating the new energy and can it actually overpower the old energy when it comes to incense making and stuff like that, which is worth studying incense making and there's a reason why incense is quite good and has historically been used for vanishings and cleansings and stuff like that because you have these idea of your base notes your middle notes and your top notes and such like that you could think of that as yeah from a fragrance perspective there's a bass like a bass tune in a piece of music or you know there is that deep dive that strong underlying current that basically everything else on top gives more of a flavor People don't think about that. If you were to design a banishing incense, what would you do? Most people would Google banishing incense or banishing herbs or herbs for banishing and stuff like that, and then just put a couple of them in a, in a pot. They wouldn't necessarily try and work with the characteristics or even contemplate how does banishing even work in the first place? So there we go. 
I think that's it for this edition of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. Is there anything else you want to say? Go and go and get yourself a new new. Go and get yourself a new now. Yeah. Get yourself a new now. A magical new now. You shall not regret it. Goodbye for another week.